The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Throughout history, dreamers have opened the door for positive change that reshapes the world. Our dreams and stories can also attract individual prosperity and success. Join creative artist Valerie June, Aisha Ophelia, Jacqueline Suskin, and Sarah Walco for The Power of Radical Imagination, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Ignite your radical imagination and cultivate positive change. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to the Kelly Sullivan Walden Show, where we explore nighttime dreams, daytime desires, and the best ways to transform the tragic into magic. Because let's face it, we all dream, we all have our blessings, and we all have our challenges, myself included. And I don't want any of us to take any of those things lying down, if you know what I mean. I just wrote a book entitled, A Crisis is a Terrible Thing to Waste. It comes out spring of 2023. And in the meantime, I'm excited to explore the topic with you, whether it relates to your waking or sleeping dreams, because we're dreaming all the time, people. So let's make it the best dream possible. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. I am so excited for this show today. Let me introduce you a dear friend of mine and mentor and just, we're going to get sciency today, people. Sciency, you can tell that. That's not my background. Nobody who's really in the science world says sciency. But let me tell you about Robert Haas. I call him Bob. He is the director and past president of the International Association for the Study of Dreams. He's the director of the Dream Science Foundation for Research Grants, faculty instructor in the Hayden Institute and on the board of the National Institute for Integrative Healthcare. He's an author and or editor. He's also also edited four books and authored four books, Dreams, Understanding Biology, Psychology, and Culture, Dreams That Changed Our Lives. I'm one of the contributors to that book. That's right. Dream to Freedom and Dream Language. So um, his work is also published in eight other books and four professional journals. He was the host of Dreamtime Radio, that series, and has been featured in a PBS special. And recently he was a part of the the Shift Network's Dream Conference, the, the Dream Work Conference, which was wonderful. He's also been in Reader's Digest, Prevention, Psychology Today, and he was also in Chicken soup for the soul, dreams and premonitions, right? Bob, was it the, it was the right. first one? Yeah. That's right. That was, that was fun. Me- 
That was really fun. Oh God, your story. I talk about your story all the time. That, <laughs> yeah. In fact, that might be an interesting way to sort of introduce you because that brought you in. So tell, tell us about that dream that took you from the corporate world into, into dreams. Okay. Yeah, this was, um, uh, this was one that, that occurred to me. We, I, I was uh, not only about in the 50 years of my life involved in dreams and dream work, but uh, I, my day job, uh, I was an executive in a couple major corporations. Uh, and in one of American Express, they decided they got a whole new uh, management structure at the top. And they said they're going to restructure the whole uh, organization. Uh, and the entire organization. Uh, mine was supposed to be untouchable, but they decided, well, we're going to restructure everything. So um, in the in the process, uh, I, you know, when you do that with, with people who are highly technical, they just usually leave. But I had a big, big umbrella. So uh, and I didn't want to lose my retirement. And, you know, so I was afraid to jump off, jump the ship. And so I uh, was looking for positions inside the company that, that would satisfy me. There were a number of them I was supposed to take, but none of them were very satisfying. But anyway, I was stuck in this fear and this and whatnot. So I had this dream one night when I, I, I was given a, an opportunity to go to another company uh, search firm. And I, I, I said, nope, uh, uh, <laughs> I was afraid to leave the company. I was afraid to walk out the door. Exactly. So I had this dream one night where I was. I was stuck in this uh, dark uh, tunnel, underground tunnel in a boat. And I was uh, up in the windows looking over a way out, which was a good metaphor for what I was doing with industry. And um, uh, so, and, and I w- this went on all night. And finally, a voice behind me said, you can walk out the door. I said, what? I said, you can walk out the door. I said, what door? I don't see a door. And uh, all of a sudden, this door appeared in front of the boat. And uh, so I, I kept arguing, of course, with the, boat, the voice. And finally, I decided to go ahead and walk out the door. And I walked out to the front of the boat. And all of a sudden, the boat emerged from this ice cave that it was in into this beautiful land and with music and singing and, and whatnot. And uh, so I woke up from that uh, particular dream with... Uh, completely different sense of being. And that morning, synchronistically, I I went into work and I got a a phone call from the search firm that said, look, we don't want your boss, et cetera. We want you. (laughs) And so I, uh, as a result of, and I didn't even know what the dream meant at the time. I hadn't worked on it, but it left me with that new sense of uh, the fact that I wanted to change. I can walk out the door. And so, I finally said, well, what company is it that wants me? And they, they told me it was IBM. And I said, uh, I said, okay. <laughs> and, uh, and then literally walked out the door. <laughs> and all from, a, all from a, a real true change that in, in, happened internally in the dream itself. Uh, it changed my whole sense of being, my whole sense of, of life, et cetera. And as a result of that change, I not only uh, uh, because I was afraid to leave because losing retirement, things like that. Uh, I wasn't about to retire at the time, but there was a lot of money involved. So but instead, in the new corporation, um, 
it made up for way more than that and allowed me then to learn, leave early and then do dream work uh, full time. What I so love about your story, Bob, is that it's like there's, it seems like there's two different kinds of people. There's the nitty gritty people whose boots are on the ground that are very fact-based and, and grounded. And then there's those of the sort of airy fairy ilk that are much more into signs and synchronicities and dreams. And I love that you are both, you are boots on the ground. And also you've got this heart and spirit for the, <laughs> the metaphysical and it served you and it paid off, literally paid off. And I love yeah. that there was also part of the story was on your way to work. Um, you said something about the song from train um, calling all angels was playing. All right. Yeah. So, anyway, that was a, that was, that was an extraordinary synchronicity because uh, on the way to work, I, the music calling all angels came on the radio. And I started singing along with it uh, as if it was uh, like a prayer, you know, you know, help me through this one. Cause I wasn't sure what to do, even though I had this wonderful dream that changed things, I wasn't sure what to do. And as I was singing this song, I felt like there was a shift happening. Something different was really happening. And it, and I got into work that morning and it was like 10 minutes later, I get this call where they say, we're going to, we want, we want you and we're coming in tomorrow morning to interview you. It's so perfect. I mean, we all go through transitions in life and we can do um, tr transitions are just, it's part of life, but often they are messy and chaotic and fraught with fear. And I think your, your story demonstrates that there can be some grace. There can be some ease if we just pay attention to these wonderful dreams and that show up in our nighttime. And then also some of the daytime synchronicities that line the path. So we're not just alone kind of bumbling in the dark right. in that ice yeah. cave, so to speak. Exactly. And there's a, a deep inner wisdom in dreams that, that, um, Dreams really have two layers. Uh, the first layer is that what they are showing you and what you're doing in the dream is often metaphorically similar to your lifetime situation. They're trying to help resolve that lifetime situation. They, they give you suggestions, alternate paths to follow, and the dream drags you through those, with hopefully with a resolution in the end, like the story I just uh, just told. The alternative was you can walk out the door. You don't have to look for something inside. Right. There is a deeper wisdom that's taking place that not only um, is taking a, you through the dream uh, at a soul level. In, in other words, the changes that occur at that deeper level are in, intended to balance our lives at a, at a soul level. And they extend into nature. Uh, and that's where the synchronicities come in play, into play. Uh, that we're not just dreaming within our heads and our minds, but we're dreaming within the cosmos. And that's what happened the next morning with, with the music that came on the radio, the 10 minutes later, getting the call and saying, we're going to be here tomorrow and we want you. Uh, so uh, your dreams are more than just an interesting nighttime venture. Uh, they extend in, out into the cosmos and they're working behind the scenes, whether you know it or not. Now, it's better if you understand what's going on in the dream, because 
then the ego can get involved and make the right decisions. Uh, but the dream is self-healing, uh, uh, even if that doesn't happen. Right. Okay. So now, so because of that transition that you were able to make, I love that you brought in mm-hmm. the cosmos because of course we're, yeah, we're not just these little earthlings. How could we be? We're connected to everything, but that's a whole story. That's another story for another show. We'll focus on that. Now I'm really wanting to explore that, but let's talk about how you got into, into the world of dreams and Let's talk about some of the science of dreaming. Some people, okay. just to ground the validity, um, what are what are some things that we know about the brain when we're dreaming? We know what the brain when we're there's like the difference between dreaming and sleeping. So tell us a little bit about what's happening during right. those nocturnal hours. Well, the first thing that occurs is when we go to sleep, we go through a a number of sleep phases, and they just relate to the brain waves and the parts of the mind that are shutting off and and uh, and basically reactivating. Uh, and so we go down into this what's called non-REM sleep. Your eyes aren't moving. You're in deep sleep, and this part of sleep is usually in dreaming. Either because dreaming does occur in this phase, quite often it's a review of what happened the day before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then about 90 minutes later, uh, the brain state changes and you wake up into what's called REM sleep, rapid eye movement. Your eyes are moving. This is where you have more of your story like dreams, the ones we usually like to call dreams. And um, uh, during that, during those phases, uh, it's more of a learning phase. It takes what's occurred to you the day before and um it tries to bring it into uh, a storyline uh, that sometimes somehow helps you learn from it. It brings past memories and compares what happened to you the day before with the past memories to see what what's a better way of approaching the situation. And then within uh, another ninety uh, minute roughly cycle, you go back down into deep sleep again, and then you come back up into this REM state. Uh, later in the night, you don't go into as much deep sleep. You stay mainly in the REM state and the phase two state, which is just prior to REM. Uh, and uh, again, it, there are some studies that show that over the night, what you're doing is you're taking, you're starting with what happened the day before. And in each REM stage, you add memories of the past that you compare what happened the day before. And towards the end of the night, you start taking the, the learning uh, from uh, what, what just occurred to you, adding it to all of your learning, all of your past learning, and you bring in uh, you know, a whole lifetime's worth of learning in order to incorporate what just happened into your whole state of being. Uh, and so it's, it's quite an interesting process that takes place. That's incredible. So I, I don't think I'd ever quite heard it like that, that each progressive REM state, we we go from kind of the most recent activity of our lives, and then we start to reflect more deeply at the patterns and maybe the unresolved energies and, and circumstances and start to compile those and those dreams kind of reflect this larger tapestry, right. maybe giving yeah. us a deeper and deeper perspective. Mm-hmm. That is so interesting. 
Yeah, if, a couple of studies have traced it and shown that. Um, all that's still controversial, but you, you, if you really study your dreams and journal your life along with them, which is very important, not just to write down your dreams in a journal, but write down what happened in your life. And you'll see these kind of patterns. Right. Take right. Yeah. Right. Okay, uh, so go ahead. Oh, uh, you, so you want to talk a little bit about what's happening in the brain at that? Yes. Yes. Okay, great. Yeah. What, what occurs is when we, and this is, um, this is going to help people when they work on their dreams. What happens is when we go uh, into, uh, you know, the deep sleep state, and then um, I say wake up into REM because it's a, it's a, a little higher state of consciousness than the deep uh, sleep stage. But what happens is, is the parts of the brain uh, that are responsible for emotional processing. It's called the limbic system. Uh, highly activated, sometimes more highly activated than in waking life. And the parts of the brain that are responsible for remembering daily events uh, or even remembering the dream itself uh, and uh, the thinking, processing, rational part of the brain, that stays asleep. Um, so what is occurring is the dream focuses uh, not so much on the events that occurred the day before. What it focuses on is the emotional events because the limbic part of the brain is dealing with emotion. Um, and I can give you an example of this, if you like. Yeah, please. Um, this is, uh, if, if you think about it for a minute, you'll realize that every event that happens in your life has two parts to it. One is what actually happened. Mm. The second part is your emotional response or emotional perception. You know, how it emotionally affected you. Right. Quite often that colors your memory of what actually happened. Well, because the what actually happened part of your brain is asleep during the REM state, the dream state, the active dream state, uh, and the emotional aspects of your brain, emotional parts of your brain, the limbic system is highly active. Uh, what's happening is your dreams process the emotional aspect of the event. And, um, you know, this is when you think about it, it's very helpful because now you no longer have this rational filtering going on. You're dealing with how the dream really affected you. Uh, in, in how the event really affected us. How the event affected you, but not the event itself. Because if you think right. back, if you work with your dreams, you'll realize that that uh, your dreams do have some a lot to do with what happening in your life at the time. But notice that the dream doesn't have the event in it. It is a whole storyline wrapped around the emotions. I'll give you an example. Yeah. Uh, this uh, person uh, was had a horrible experience in life where uh, she had been fired twice now from the last two jobs she had. She called it fired. I mean, she, you know, they just let her go because there was no more to do on the job. But, uh, you know, it was devastating. And the second time, this was a job that was uh, defining her career. And so it was really devastating. So uh, what happened that night when she went to sleep, of course, the uh, event asked memories part of the brain that's uh, uh, had relatively deactivated in the, in the limbic system, uh, you know, activated highly and dealt with the emotional aspect and pictured it. So the first things your dreams do is they picture the emotional aspect of that. And so her dream that night started with her being crushed underneath a building. 
And uh, so this crush, of course, was the way she felt. Um, mm. But also her mindset was that uh, that I'm dead. It's all over for good. Okay. Ooh. And uh, there is no future. It's all over for good was the way she expressed it. Uh, and so you look at the dream and you say, the dream was all about her feelings, all about her emotions. There wasn't anything about getting fired in the dream, right? Right. right. Yeah. So the dream was yeah. about talking about the emotions. Well, then the nice thing, interesting thing about the brain uh, when you're dreaming, uh, there's a part that's more, it, it's wrapped around the limbic system in the front, the frontal cortex, and it, it's uh, a, a decision-making part of the brain. It's a mm -hmm. part of the brain, which is active, when, of course, when we're what, awake, too. What part of the brain is that? This, this part of the brain uh, actually is, introduces possible resolutions to the situation. And mm. it, in doing so, uh, it uh, drags the dreamer through a storyline that says, well, what if we look at it this way, mm -hmm. uh, et cetera. So when that part of the brain uh, activated, uh, basically, it, it, the dream went on and reflected uh, an inner strength that she had. Uh, and Suddenly, in the dream, it says, suddenly, I became another person and dug myself out. So here the dream was showing her that she has this inner strength that she didn't realize she had as part of the unconscious. Mm -hmm. um, the, uh, the dream went on then and said, or it, it showed her standing up and she says, I came alive again and I knew I could go on. So here was the dream, wow. not only showing her another solution, another way of looking at things, it's rewarding her essentially. Right. Rewarding that particular solution, reinforcing right. it. Yes. Now, now some dreams uh, reinforce it negatively. That is, in fact, most of our dreams we wake up from and go, oh, that was kind of icky. Or the dream just peters out, you know. That's where you really, the learning didn't really take place in the dream. That's where the, the between the ego and the dream hadn't figured out the uh, solution or hadn't followed a solution on through. But when mm -hmm. dreams have this, uh, uh, at the end, when your dreams have this rewarding situation, you can look back and say, oh, what happened in the dream that uh, allowed this reward to occur? And if you look back at this year dream, you'll say, Oh, I'll, I realized that I could go on. I realized I have this inner strength. So when you're working on your dreams, you, you take a dream that may have ended positively. You say, what happened to bring that about? And how is that a metaphor for what, are, for what happened in my life? Oh, or or, or what, uh, what, what could happen in my life? How that a metaphor for how I could change this, how I can look forward to things? And in this particular case, um, this, this girl went on to start her own company and today runs two. Oh my God. <laughs> so you that can see the, the dream completely changed her viewpoint and transformed her. That is so, just sort of like yours. I mean, and I think yeah. this relate, we can map, we can all map this on because we all go through transitions and we knock on one door and the door doesn't open for us or we fail miserably there, or we get, we kind of get pushed 
um, by life toward where, and we get rewarded when we do find our path. So let's talk about lucid dreaming. Throughout history, dreamers have opened the door for positive change that reshapes the world. Our dreams and stories can also attract individual prosperity and success. Join creative artist Valerie June, Aisha Ophelia, Jacqueline Suskin, and Sarah Walco for The Power of Radical Imagination, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Ignite your radical imagination and cultivate positive change. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Let's talk about what happens in the brain during lucid dreaming. Okay. Talk about yeah. That. Yeah. What, uh, the same uh, REM state occurs. Now, now some of the um, same areas, uh, like the medial prefrontal cortex and uh, uh, in the posterior, the anterior cingulate, uh, these are just, just uh, scientific names for parts of the brain, but they all have interesting functions. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, uh, the part of that medial prefrontal cortex is responsible for uh, judgment calls. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's responsible for what they call analogical reasoning mm-hmm. uh, and um, anterior and posterior singlets are responsible for problem solving sort of mm-hmm. activities. So these are all little parts of the brain. Those, uh, those activate uh, in REM state, but when the dream goes lucid, mm-hmm. uh, the part of the brain that was off which is uh, more the prefrontal cortex, the, the frontal part of the brain, the thinking part, the rational thinking part, the part that sort of is responsible for giving you a sense of ego, a sense of self. Mm-hmm. Uh, that part is typically off mm-hmm. uh, or at least uh, diminished in, in dreaming. And the part that activates uh, in a lucid dream is part of that frontal cortical region. And a little part of what's called the precuneus in the back, which uh, acts as responsible for working memory. So all of a sudden you feel, but the rest of the brain, you know, that's normally off in the dream stays off. Uh, but however, what happens, it's why you suddenly become conscious in the dream. And mm-hmm. kinds of consciousness you almost have in waking life because it's like an ego consciousness. Mm-hmm. You become an active ego in the dream. Mm-hmm. to dreaming and then the nice part about that is all of a sudden the ego which is the decision making part of you as a human um that has to accept all this stuff that dreams give you that part is now active and it can actively uh, um inter- interact and negotiate essentially with the collective unconscious or with the unconscious mind mm-hmm. uh, so the, all the parts of the dra- brain that were dragging you through the uh, dream uh, in normal REM sleep now have you as the ego captured and involved in the situation. So now you can help make uh, healing decisions in the dream. And, uh, and that's pretty valuable. 
It's very valuable. My, my question then is, so typically that the prefrontal cortex and all of those, those ordinary, rational, logical functioning is normally asleep during our sleep time. Right. Yeah. So my question is, does that like there, there may be a very good reason that that part is asleep because it needs its rest. Because as soon as we wake up in the morning, we need that part of our brain, but if it doesn't, if it's active during lucid dreaming, does it not get the same kind of rest that it needs? So is there like a, is there a sacrifice? Are we paying a price? Yeah, to have actually not lucid dreams. Actually not at all. Uh, our brain is so active, it's, you know, during sleep, even during the REM state, we, we don't rest. The parts I said were inactive or relatively inactive. They're relatively inactive okay. because it turns out that when, when, we're, when we're walking through a dream, for example, normal dream, the part of our brain that's responsible for modulating movement and motion yeah. begins to activate a little bit. Mm-hmm. When we're thinking about something and trying to make a decision in a dream, uh, the frontal cortex begins to activate a little bit. So it's mm-hmm. really totally inactive. Uh, the cortical regions are, are constantly constantly active. And there's a lot of debate over whether the brain just really needs to, why that happens. Is the brain that uh, needs to rest or is it a very unique um uh, function uh, that, that REM, particularly dream sleep, has because uh, the the unique function that dream sleep has is shuts out parts of the brain that are needed in the daytime yeah. for making decisions and dealing with the outside, so that it can process the other stuff that doesn't get processed during the daytime. Right, the emotional aspect of event. When you get devastated by something that happened during the day, yeah. uh, you don't have time to process that. You get angry, you run away, you yell at somebody, et cetera, but then you have to go on with the rest of your day. Right. So the brain has to have a time when the you know, parts of the brain that are dealing with waking life kind of get out of the way and shut down so that it can deal with what really happened to you and relate it to your whole life situation. So. I'm not, I don't know if this is something that you're able to answer, but I'm, I'm curious about, so like the, the way that you're talking about the brain, it sounds like it's a a relatively healthy person's brain. We're not talking about the, the, how a mental illness would play in. For example, I mean, you and I are talking in real time Um, this, this will, will air later, but this is the day after the shooting in Texas at the elementary school. and. And of course, I, I bring what's on my brain to every circumstance that's going on. So I think what was going on, did this guy not have functioning dreams? Obviously, there had to have been a mental illness. The emotion that this young man mm-hmm. must have dealt with in his life didn't get properly vented out or processed in his sleep. What happens when when that I mean when the person's not able to do it I don't know Do you have any comment on Well, on that? there's a couple things. Well, sometimes the you know if if it's a mental disease, uh, the brain is just not operating the way that we just talked about. Okay. Yeah. Same processes take place, uh, but the dream uh, does not ne- is not necessarily self-corrective in terms of 
uh, society and things of that. What's what is more likely occurring is as this person dreams, uh, the dreams are fairly primitive level to the point where uh, they're trying to um, show him ways of protecting himself against society. And somehow in, uh, in his dreaming life, his waking life, uh, the brain, his brain has rationalized that to, you know, I could have been a, a also a suicide arrangement, you know, where, you know, I'm, 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 I'm getting out and I'm going to take as many people as I want with me. Uh, there's all sorts of rationales that go into those sorts of things. But uh, he, basically, he rationalized, uh, you know, some pretty nasty stuff. So it'd be interesting to understand the dream. And there isn't a lot of study, unfortunately, on the dreams of those uh, types of, of people. There was some there was something and I don't have the exact information, but in Arizona, I know you live in Arizona. There was a mm-hmm. gunman mm-hmm. in Arizona. I believe he shot some random civilians at a bank and he claimed to be um, a lucid dreamer. He was a big lucid dreamer. And um and somehow, so some people, I remember at the time, I, my mom cut the article out. She's always doing that whenever there's anything dangerous that could affect me. She's like, Kelly, yeah. lucid dreaming causes like horrible psychotic behavior. I'm like, oh my God, okay, this is random. But but, but there was that. There was somebody who did, who was a big dreamer, a big lucid dreamer. And they used that that skill, that gift Obviously, we can choose to do whatever we want with our gifts. We can use them for great good, or we can use it for to to create mayhem. So I don't right. know. If that's yeah. uh, well. Typically, lucid dreaming. In lucid dreaming, what is occurring is you now are consciously able to. You really can't control your dream. You can only influence it, and you can control what you do in it. But your dream is Thank bigger. Thank you. So, right. Uh, Very good. So a lucid dreamer is, is caught up in the dream, just like you are in any dream, other than the fact that they've got a little bit more ego control over you know, how they're going to decide on things. Right. One of the things that the learning process in dreams does is it drags you to a point of decision. It, it usually tries to bring you to a point of decision about the. it'll pre- present some new ways of doing things and bring you to a point of decision. Uh, if you're lucid, you have much more of an ego-based decision. Yeah. Uh, so from that standpoint, it, depending on how the person makes the decision in the dream and in the waking life, you know, is going to depend on how they're going to act. Uh, dreams try to bring forth a healthy, balanced personality, uh, but they can only do so much. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I think of I think of it like um, doing laundry because I'm the one that does laundry in my house. I always have since I was little. That was my chore when I was a little girl. And I know that if you the laundry machine does a pretty good job, but if you load it with a bunch of muddy clothes that you don't shake off before or a bunch of like if there's just a bunch of stuff that you've gone through in the day and you don't take some of it off and heal some of it, you put it in the laundry machine, it'll break it. It can, it can clog it up. So it's, it's kind of similar in that way. All right. So I know we're just about out of time. Let me just throw one last quick question. in. I know there was some research out of Japan about technology that allows us to see 
what we're dreaming. Have you heard of any of this crazy stuff? And what um, do you think of this? What's going well, on yeah, there? Uh, it, it's, it's, it's not as mysterious as you might think. What they have to do is they have to do a number of brain scans of, of the subject, the individual. Uh, they show them pictures and images in waking life. Okay, and then they look at what parts of the brain activate when they see these different images. And so they might throw a thousand different images at the person and the computer has registered what parts of the brain activate for that image. And so then they just turn that around at night. They look at the very uh, the brain, you know, they basically with uh, uh, high definition EEGs. uh, types of—they're uh, not really probes; they're little stickers they put on the brain, or they'll use an MRI uh, type scan, and they'll they'll look at the parts of the brain that activate, and the computer does figures out what pictures of those say thousand pictures uh, the brain is presenting, and then it puts out a picture of uh, the best picture it can and fit the brain uh, response to. So if a person is uh, dreaming they're walking down the street and they, uh, they see a friend uh, come up, uh, the computer might show, oh, that looks like a whole bunch of buildings. I'm going to show buildings and I'm going to show a face. And so it comes up with a face. So they'll you, the, the, you'll get a funky, pretty scrabbly picture on the, on the screen of the computer that shows buildings and a face. Right. And, well, it's uh, getting, we're moving in a direction because yeah. wouldn't it be great to be able to, I mean, I, it just, it feels like it adds validity to what's actually happening in our, in our dreaming. And also we can problem solve with people like this, this shooter. We might be able to like, you know, if he was still alive, gra- like understand what was happening in his brain and be able to problem solve some, but the, the field is vast and it's wonderful to have you in it. And I know you've got a wonderful conference coming up, yes. Robert Haas. So tell us about the, the, the new, this is the first time in a couple of years we've been able to have an in-person <laughs> conference for the International Association for the Study of Dreams and it's in Arizona. So tell us about it. Yeah. Yeah. Last year was virtual. This year we're, we're going to the Lowe's Ventana Canyon Resort, which is uh, one of the top resorts in all of Arizona. It's fabulous. Up outside of a mountain, there's waterfalls and, and pools and things like that surrounding it. Uh, it's a, uh, you know, basically a spa, uh, well sought after. And we got a $115 room night rate there. Um, but uh, it's going to be the July 17th through the 21st. That's a, a Sunday through Thursday, July 17th and 21st. We've got about 120 presenters uh, there, including me and you, including right? you. Yeah, you're, right. You're, oh, yes, yes. Yeah, I'll be presenting. I'll present, be presenting on dreaming uh, between worlds, dreaming all towards the Sign other side. Up. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dreams, near death experiences, things like that. So it's going to be interesting. Bob, I predict that's going to be the subject of your next book, by the way. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Uh, if I have enough energy, <laughs> I'll help you with it. I'll help yeah. you. I'm interested. Well, well, that, that might work. <laughs> I know. Well, actually, the book we did was pretty close to that. Remember, personal dreams and premonitions. Uh, yeah. Most, most of those dreams were, uh, many of them were visitations. Uh, yes. 
someone from the had passed over came back and and let the person know something was going to happen or that they're fine, whatever. Oh, I'm excited. I think so, there's something magical yeah. here. So there's going to, so all these presenters, this is really, you know, for, for years before I went to my first IASD conference, I was like, ah, this looks great, but now it can't be as good as it looks. Uh, but I talked to, I finally talked to Lauren. She's the author of therapy. You can help me. Snyder. Lauren yeah. Z. Snyder. Yeah, right. And she said, Kelly, you have to, how could you not come to the IASD conference? This is so up your alley. I've been going every year religiously. It's so great. So I finally went, okay, I needed that little push. And it's so wonderful. The presenters, the people, the, the information, I always come back from these conferences feeling like I, I, I learned universes and my dreaming is off the charts, the level of clarity and lucidity and empowerment. I feel like it's really such a boost. So I highly recommend that everyone check it out. You can go to asdreams.org. Yeah. Is that the best place to go? Uh, asdreams.org. And uh, it's, it's more than just a conference. We have uh, fabulous receptions. We have a, a dream art show. Right. Sure, a dream art show. A and dream we, ball. We, and we end it with a dream ball where you dress in your as your favorite dream character. And uh, I won't show pictures I, of Bob and I a few years ago. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Someone, some of us could get in a little trouble, but it was great. It was so fun. Yeah, it is fun. You can't it believe is. the people and what we do. It's like, oh my God, we step into the dream and take it to a whole other right. level. It's so then, fun. This year, our hospitality suite has a hot tub too. So. Oh God, <laughs> don't get me started. I will be there. I'm so excited. So Robert Haas, thank you so much. Is there, um, what's the best email for you or best website for you? Well, yeah, my website is dreamscience.org. Dreamscience.org. So dreamscience.org. And uh, email just bob at dreamscience.org. <laughs> Perfect. So it's simple. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your wisdom. Thanks for taking the time today. Can't wait to see you at the IASD conference in just okay. a few weeks. All right. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Kelly Sullivan Walden Show. If you enjoyed this episode, take a moment to like, subscribe, comment, and share it with your friends. My show can be found on Apple iTunes, YouTube, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to pre-order my new book, A Crisis is a Terrible Thing to Waste, Go to your favorite online or brick and mortar retailer, then head on over to kellysullivanwalden.com tragic to magic. Input your order number and redeem your bonus gifts. I'm also excited to be offering a new live DreamWork practitioner training. So if that calls to you, go to kellysullivanwalden.com forward slash DreamWork. If you'd like to join me for the live recording of these shows, most Wednesdays at noon Pacific, you can find me on Facebook at Kelly Sullivan Walden Dreams. If you have a question about your dreams or about how to transform your tragic into magic, email me at kelly at kellysullivanwalden.com. Until next time, remember a 
crisis is a terrible thing to waste. And as you awaken to the power of your dreams, you make the world a lighter, brighter, more beautiful place, one dream at a time. Sweet dreams. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa, and I've been a medical intuitive for over 30 years. Let me help you find new ways to heal physical and emotional problems. Be a part of my Healthy Living Intuitively podcast studio audience every week. Follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mona Lisa fan page, and Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa One, to get that information. I answer audience questions, and you can learn from people calling in that might be dealing with the same things that you are. Follow Healthy Living Intuitively, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts.